Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You. I am Jennifer White, here with my co-host and sister extraordinaire, Ellen Trackman. Hi. Hey. So this week, question for you. Uh, we both have definitely traveled overseas at times in our lives, uh, not obviously recently and not anytime in the near future. But when you have been allowed to travel, have there been any things that have surprised you? Like cultural differences, oh. anything, quite honestly. Hmm, all the time, for sure. I mean, it's always good to learn more about other cultures and different ways of living. Um, I will say something that surprised me. I spent a summer in the Ukraine, which leads into our, our topic, our interview today. But when I lived there, I lived in this apartment that, of course, had no washing machine or dryer. And I found I was really bad at washing my own clothes, specifically socks. Like I would like hand wash them and they would just like fall apart. Like they would just really come apart quickly. Oh, wow. So I did not know that hand washing socks was really not a skill of mine that I'm thankful I don't have to, to have right now. I would not have known that that was a skill that was needed either. So there we go. How about you? Do you have any surprise foreign travel? Uh, I mean, you lived so in multiple countries for lengthy I have. I lived time periods. In- I say I lived in Germany for four years. I lived in England for almost four years. Uh, I think biggest ones, I mean, besides some really obvious like language differences and, you know, terminology differences in, I think there are a couple like, so paying for toilets as an American is very weird. Yeah. So the fact that you have to pay on your either way in or usually on your way in to use a toilet, like at some point I'd be like, I don't have any change. It's just too bad. I can't go to the bathroom. And especially when I was there, when my daughter was little and we were potty training her, it became like a logistical nightmare of like, how do you, (laughs) like, do you have enough money to go someplace? Um, Another weird one was that they don't tip like Americans do. And actually I was told it's really offensive how Americans tip. Like you're supposed to just, because they pay, it's all rolled into the actual wage. At least this was in Germany. Um, and that it's all rolled into the wage. And so you just like roll round up to the next euro basically. And I think, but why would it be, why is it offensive? I don't know. They like are really money. hurt sometimes that we would give, like they would try to give it back. And I'm like, I know oh. it's okay. It's fine. Like we huh. feel really strongly that you gave us good service, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And then I think the final yeah. one is that they don't put ice in things. So like Americans asking for ice in drinks or refills on drinks is very, very strange and very, very foreign to them. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this interview is a great example of a system that works very differently that um, in this case, Americans did not know we're not used to. So I think it's kind of eye opening to hear of a different way surrogacy can work in another country. Welcome Jay Nalt to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jay, you have such an interesting and unique story about your family formation. Um, I think maybe you'll just start at the beginning uh, Mm -hmm. and then dive into how you chose to go to the Ukraine to go through surrogacy. So give us some background about yourself and who you are and what you do, and then um, what made you decide to consider the Ukraine for surrogacy? Sure. Uh, I'm sure many parts of our story are similar to others you've spoken to since you've been doing this. We, uh, We got married a little later and had some trouble 
getting pregnant. And after about six months, we started talking to our OBGYN, which ultimately led to our fertility doctor here in San Diego, where we live. And we, after a couple of years, which was difficult, we wound up having a daughter by IVF. And we immediately want, yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. And she's really maybe one no of the surrogacy, best kids. No surrogacy, no need to leave the country. Excellent. No, no. I mean, kid, our daughter was born three blocks from home in the hospital and it was fantastic. Yeah. But we, as soon as we were able to, after she was born, because now we're even older, <laughs> we wanted to. It happens. Um, yeah, it does. Ha- have siblings for her because, you know, we both grew up with siblings and we think it's important and. Yeah, and, and we, we go, like siblings. We think they're important. Right. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to siblings. I know. Right. <laughs> exactly. So we uh, we got back into IVF, and really, it was just not working. The, the, the returns were diminishing, and things were actually getting pretty dangerous. I mean, she had some pretty well difficult miscarriages. One in particular that I I write about in the book, which I wrote a book about all this, and uh, that was when I just internally said. That's it. I mean, we're not doing this anymore. It's not worth her life to do this. I struggled with how I was going to say that to her because she's very much this, I call her the human bulldozer. I mean, when she sets your mind to something, it does not matter what it takes. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> and um, she came to me and said, I don't know about this. I was very relieved. And then I, at that point, I thought, okay, we're finished. I mean, we're going to have one child. Let's be thankful for that child. Let's move on. And we're all set. No, not so much. Next thing I know, we were going to Vancouver, BC, where my wife is from and her family lives for Christmas. And she said, we have a meeting with this owner of of an agency who runs an international surrogacy agency. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, sure, I'll go ahead and have this lunch with this person and yada, yada. Because at that point, my feeling was that we were done. That was it. And I closed it off. She hadn't. And when I, when I talk to other people about this and, you know, they have their fertility challenges and, and, and that kind of thing, I'll tell them you're not done until you're both done. So, uh, and she wasn't done. So we sat down with this person, the owner of the agency for lunch. And he said, well, you know, we do this, this, this surrogacy in Ukraine. And I said, Oh, what do you mean? The Ukraine first thing he's like, well, it's not the, they don't like the it's Ukraine. I'm like, Oh, Okay, well, whatever. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm never going to see it. It's fine. And I think I shared with you, it's funny, I, I lived in the, in. oh, I'm doing it too, the Ukraine. You did too. I yeah. lived there for a summer and I still do it. I still say that. Right, I know. It's just, you know, <laughs> no, it's hard. They're, they're, they're making a big effort. And this is in one of the, the blogs I wrote on my site. We can get into all that later. But to really take the Russian influence out of their naming conventions, like they don't like the Ukraine because that's what that we're under the Soviet Union. They don't like Kiev spelled K-I-E-V because that was the Soviet or Russian spelling, that kind of stuff. So, yes. Uh, well, I'll just to give a sorry, we'll go into your story, but my, my brief uh, experience. So my summer that I spent in Ukraine, uh, I had studied Russian in undergrad and had studied in Moscow. And I thought, oh, Ukraine, they speak Russian, they'll be fine. And of course, instead, I was placed in Western Ukraine, which is even right. more anti-Russian and anti-hearing Russian. And luckily, mm-hmm. they were generally forgiving of me as a, as a foreigner, but I, was, right. I don't speak Ukrainian, I only speak Russian. Oh, no. Right. 
And they're not the same, apparently. I mean, I, I'm completely illiterate. No. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in Kiev, or as they say, Kiev, uh, you know, there were a lot of Russian people and Russian speakers. So it's, it's, you kind of, I mean, it was weird how I could tell the difference between the two, even though I didn't understand a word of either language. But um, that, that's what's it's going probably on like a, It's like people who come over from overseas, they can hear the difference between a southern accent and a sure. northern accent kind of thing. Sure. Exactly. Mm, but, but this is the same language. Maybe, I, maybe Portuguese to Spanish? Portuguese to Spanish okay. or, or Italian. Fair. Yeah, that's close because like, the analogy I drew is Italian to Spanish because I have some basic understanding of Spanish. Uh, but anyway, he said, we're going to Ukraine and, you know, it, it, we, we have state-of-the-art facilities, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this was right about the time, it was a little after this where they deposed their president, who was basically a Russian puppet. And there were all those, you know, in the main square of Kiev, there was you know, shootings, hundreds of people died and just everything. And there's like, isn't there, I said, isn't there a war there? So, yeah, but that's no big deal. Okay. It is a big deal <laughs> um, to me. But he said it's, it's hundreds of miles away. And, and I, the more I read on it, because, again, those are just casual knowledge. I had no idea we were going to be talking about Ukraine that day. And uh, I, as I read later, yes, they know Kiev is nowhere near Donbass, which is where all the fighting is. It's about 200 miles away. Still a little close for comfort, but there was no fighting in Kiev. So, okay. Uh, but he, I, I said, well, why would we do this? And why would we go to Ukraine? Why would, I mean, California is one of the first places in the world to do this. Why would, and he said, well, money. And, right. And, you know, that's really what it comes down to. I know a lot of people who go through ART face that challenge. I mean, we had put so much money into our IVFs, our IUIs, our this, that, and the other thing that once we saw the price tag for surrogacy in California, I, was, I fell out of my chair. I'm like, we can't do this. I mean, because the one thing that we, my wife and I always agreed on, we're not going into debt to roll the dice here. It's just not going to happen. If we don't have it, we're not doing it. And you're definitely not alone in that. I, you know, we did a with an episode a couple of weeks ago where we had someone on who went to Mexico, and very similar that you, while America has much more of a established system and safety and precautions, just the price tag can be overwhelming. Yeah, and the way it broke down is, I mean, all said and done, now that we know what everything costs, it was even with you know living in Eastern Europe, <laughs> um, it was still about. 80% less than it would have been in California, which is astounding. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, that that's why we wound up in Ukraine. And, and, and it's interesting you say Mexico because we, that's where we would have gone, but for about two weeks maybe before we really jumped into this, they outlawed it for non-Mexican citizens. So that yeah, was a big Yeah, and I think we us. talked about this off, offline mm -hmm. that with that mm -hmm. in that situation with my my friend and the guest who came on she was a mexican citizen so right. that made a difference for her which most of us don't have that yeah i don't happen to have those facts that we're dual citizens and able to no no my wife's a canadian dual citizen but they don't really even allow that there there's a lot of restrictions and it's just as expensive but i mean mexico well, there's great. a lot of there, <laughs> there's a lot of surrogacy in canada too interestingly there is enough. Um, there is yep but Okay. But, anyway, um, so you knew someone. They told you about Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah, uh, I, at, I left the lunch politely, thinking, "Okay, that's great." And then driving back to my in-laws' house with my wife, she said, "So I think we can get you over there. We can get over there within a month." I'm like, "Wow, she's serious." Wow! <laughs> okay. Wow! This, I knew right then. Okay, this is going to happen. So, 
uh, a month, you know, goes by and we, we give the agency some money and get things started and they set you up with a, a lawyer over there, which you need uh, to get some paperwork done. And, you know, we, we, it, it's basically the same sort of process as IVF is here, right? I mean, we, we, we go, she takes the hormones, we harvest, you know, take the eggs out, let them go for five days, all that. But so that part really isn't unique, but about two days before. Well, sorry, if I don't mind asking on that too. So with an egg retrieval, you're definitely starting medication three mm-hmm. weeks or so out. Right. So did she, right. she starts the medication here and just need to be there within a few days of the retrieval. Is that how it worked? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same medication basically. So Got it. Um, it's just a matter of flying over there for the retrieval is pretty much what it came down to. And then she left leaving me behind because you know, we have a daughter here and you know, as you know, the eggs need to stay for a few days to, to grow. And, um, Meantime, two days before we leave, though, we find out that there are some restrictions and requirements that need to be met, which we hadn't heard about, which was kind of a problem. One, this one wasn't a problem. Um, You have to be a heterosexual married couple in order to be able to or be allowed to do this in Ukraine, which, okay, we qualify there, I guess. Uh, But two, you had to have an apostyle proof that you know, of your marriage. And I have a law degree. I had no idea what apostyle was. I've talked to my friends from law school. Most of them. Had no idea. Um, like a fancy like, well, notary. That's what they said. It's like a notarization on steroids. I'm like, Oh, right. well, okay. How do you do that? <laughs> but So what, what happened is we had to get the original marriage license apostyle and bring that with us. Now, we're supposed to be there ahead of time, but we can't really do that two days ahead of time. And uh, the problem there is we got married in Hawaii. So my wife, thankfully, is a, is a consultant who travels, you know, thousands of miles a week, literally. So we, we can pretty much fly where we want for free on her points. So she, on one day's notice, flew to Honolulu. And I, on the next morning, got up and started calling the county clerk's office in Kauai, where we actually got married. Just a triangulation of, of attack here. And normally it takes weeks to get this done but we had hours so she's roaming the halls in honolulu i'm bothering everybody relentlessly in Kauai, and, and also uh, on a ton of hormones and <laughs> yes 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 I, I like to tell people as a little aside i got to live with a pregnant wife for four years but um it, it was um you know i was wrong for an entire olympic cycle but um it was um Maybe that worked in your favor that she was on crazy hormones while roaming the halls. That if she'd been like oh, I, I'm nicer sure it did and more, <laughs> more calm, it, maybe it wouldn't have been it, as effective. It pretty much came down to she saw, I don't know how she recognized him, but or her, I don't even know, saw the lieutenant governor walking down the hall, tackled the guy and said, they just told her story and it's crying and just it's really compelling. They took care of it. They gave it to her. Um, so... My job then became send everybody who we dealt with flowers, lunch, chocolates, gifts, or dip, you know, just take care of them because that was unbelievably nice. Right. Um, so then we, we fly to Ukraine with the apostyle document. I was very curious. I'd never seen such a thing. And we find out that we have to register as a business in Ukraine in order to be able to do any kind of transactional uh, work there. But, you know, any contractual work, you have to be a, registered as a business 
unless you're a Ukrainian citizen. Well, that's where our lawyer. Fascinating. Yeah, we didn't know that either. We're like, well, in the United States, that takes weeks too. Uh, it doesn't that take weeks here? And our, our lawyer, Olga, said, yes, normally, but I take care of it. Okay. I guess this is part of our fee. <laughs> but, um, hour later, we were a business. So, um, you know, then, then we, it was another day. They did the retrieval. Then my wife went home. I stayed there. And my job was to make sure that, you know, all the contractual stuff went well. And, uh, sort of establish, even though it was probably way too early, establish communication with the embassy for when we came back, if this all worked, which I did, and meet the, well, meet the surrogate, which I did, and, you know, of course, do everything else that's required of the man in this process. So uh, that, that's, that's what we did. And that wasn't like a, a masculine stereotype. That was like a literal, I have to provide my genetics. <laughs> right. 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 Well, I mean, that's a story in itself. Uh, I mean, I don't know how deep one again. Not that not, nothing oh, graphic. I mean, children I do occasionally listen, but what's that story? Well, uh, by children, I my, mean Jen's daughter. But sure, she's a teenager. It's fine. I swear in front of her, it's okay. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no graphic details necessary. But my man Oleg, who ran the clinic, and and that's one thing I should say is when we saw the clinic, we were amazed. It really was like cutting edge modern. I mean, the rest of Ukraine, you drive it through, you're like, oh man, this is. It's like I mean, it still looks like the Iron Curtain. Um, so I, we were we had very low expectations of the clinic, and uh, the clinic was nuts. I mean, they had you know, lasers for this scan, and we were like, wow. And um, my man Oleg, just a chain smoking, skinny little Ukrainian man, um, who spoke a little bit of English, uh, but he was almost kind of like your your caricature guy. Very nice guy, but. <laughs> And who is he? Is he the doctor? He ran, or? No, he was the administrator who ran the, the clinic. So he walks me down the hallway, opens a door, which is literally no bigger than a broom closet. Inside is like a pleather chair and an old desktop. And he hands me, if you've ever been to Mexican restaurants, you know, one of those like little plastic cups he puts salsa in. <laughs> hands me that, and I'll never, ever forget this ever in my life, he says. Put sperm in cup when done. Puts put cup on shelf behind chair. I'd be back five minutes. <laughs> it slams five the door. Minutes. Wow. Five minutes. Wow. Five minutes. That's a lot of pressure. Wow. Five minutes. Five Are you minutes. kidding me? <laughs> so I, I look at this computer and I, I click the power button and it's it's literally Windows ninety five, and it's like it's in Russian or Ukrainian. I can't read any of it. I'm like, what's well, this? So. Five minutes go by, he pounds on the door. Of course, you know, I'm not ready yet because I'm not spending any time in there once it's over. And uh, finally, after like, I, I find this, I'll find you. So long story short, I, I finally managed to take care of things, which is really, really, you know, horrifying. <laughs> and I walk out and nobody's around outside the door. And again, I can't read anything. I mean, I am utterly literate. And, uh, I'm every, all the rooms look the same, all the stairs look the same. So I'm kind of wandering around. I walk in on a kind of logical exam. I get screamed at and chased down the hall. Oh, and no. then <laughs> my man, Oleg, hears the screaming. He's like, you missed him, my friend, you come here. Like, okay. Great. <laughs> so at that point, uh, there's a conference room and, and Olga's in there. 
And it was the weirdest thing she said. And, and again, she spoke pretty good English, but I don't think it was, you know, she's not an innate level English speaker. She was, so oh, how'd everything go? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. the greatest sexual experience of my life. Thank you. Oh. Um, um, so that that's how that all got started. And then we, we reviewed. And you're just like, everything my wife has been through, I have to get this done. <laughs> right? No pressure. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's, I, 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 it's in the book. And, and I say it this way because it literally ran through my head. I'm like, I have to do this and there's $50,000 on the line. So, and I, you know, I'm, I'm completely jet lagged. I have no idea what's going on. And the, there's no way it compares to the horrors my wife had to endure for years with the injections and everything else. I mean, she would, I don't know how many times, because as you know, you have to inject your hormones the same time every day. She would literally go into an airport and, bathroom and like O'Hare and inject herself. She's like, I felt like a heroin at me, but she had to do it. And she hated needles. So it was really hard for her. I mean, the entire book, if there's, there's lots of themes, but one of them is just my humble admiration for what she did. But uh, that doesn't mean that I wasn't heroic in my own right that day. So um, <laughs> it was, um, we went right from that to negotiating the baby or reviewing the baby contract, as I call it with our lawyer. Which was also funny because she's like going over clauses and everything else that like you guys would do in your practice. But it was worthless because she'd hand it to me and it's all in your I can't read any of it. I, I even finally said, I'm like, where's my name? <laughs> she went to my name. I wouldn't have recognized that in a hundred years. So uh, I'm, I'm like, can we please get the. Wow. Uh, even your name. Anything, she could have been telling anything. you anything. So I, I even said, can we get this in English? And they all look at me strange. I'm like, look, I don't want to sign something like this, if I have no idea what it says and I'm in a place where I have no idea how anything works. So they, what she basically did was throw it through Google Translate, which I think we've all been there and you know what a mess that is. But uh, it, it, at least it, was, it, it gave me an idea. I could pick right? out nouns and verbs and sort of piece it together. But, um, you know, as those of us with law degrees know, those the nouns and verbs aren't what matters in a contract. And from, <laughs> but, from what from what she explained of it and what you could gather from Google Translate, did any of the terms surprise you or seem strange or interesting? Uh, nothing surprised me. Um, I guess what seemed interesting slash strange was some of the real specific behavioral clauses for the surrogate that were in there. Like, I didn't know you couldn't really use hair coloring when pregnant or... Um, certain foods that you're supposed to avoid. Obviously, no drinking, all smoking, all that stuff. But um, th- there's some of the some of that stuff I never would have thought of. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Did they say? Did they tell her she couldn't sit on a? Not that I remember. Maybe. <laughs> uh, for for some reason, I for some reason when we when I was studying abroad in Moscow, there was this big thing about not letting women sit on floors. <clears throat> Because it would do something bad to our uterus. <laughs> we didn't make any sense from our culture, but we're like, no, what? I, I do so, remember. Anyway. I do remember like, the oh, hot baths, that kind of thing. But um, anyway, th- that afternoon, we go to Olga's office in like old, old part of Kiev. And it's really a cool old building. But uh, we're sitting there, and, and it was me, my handler, uh, my chain smoking driver, Bogdan. Um, Olga, and then like the the advocate and the lawyer and this whole team of professionals with the surrogate, and the surrogate shows up. I 
I assume that your book is going into a movie at some point, and have you already like mentally cast oh, like, yes. your chain smoking oh, yes. driver yes. and all of these characters? <laughs> I, I'm I'm picturing like Liam Neeson already right now. You know, like <laughs> the handler. Just and... <laughs> I'll yeah. be back in five I minutes. Skill sperm sets. on shelf. <laughs> but um, it, it's uh, we're sitting there, and, and they're sitting there, and. And, and I, we both, my wife and I, both traveled the world and, and seen this, and, and so the, at least this part kind of I understood, or I would have freaked out. But they were just—it seems like they were just yelling at each other for an hour. And, and if you've been in other countries, you know it, it seems that way, but their mannerisms are just different. They're really not; they're just talking. Because I kept my handler Pavlo, who spoke pretty good English. I'm like, what's going on here? Are these people upset? Like, oh no, no, they're just talking. But uh, apparently. Close this door because my twins speak of the devil are coming out in the yard now. Because let's not forget everybody's home these days. Sorry, but uh, she didn't like the idea that she couldn't color her hair, or that she there were a couple other things that she wanted changed. And I said, no. I mean, no. Whatever the medical people say, we have to do here. That's what we're doing. That's it. Period. What was your impression of the surrogate overall? I know one of the big concerns when we talk about international surrogacy is this concern about exploitation that they're, I mean, there's definitely these horror stories from India where really poor women are taken from their villages. Was, what was your She seemed fine. I mean, she spoke zero English and like, it's a pretty involved process of selection where, you know, they, they, the agency puts you through a battery of psychological tests and background tests and, and everything else so that, and you have to have had at least one successful pregnancy otherwise. Um, <clears throat> so it's not, we didn't get that impression at all. She seemed like you're, you know, your, 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 your average, you know, decent person from Ukraine. So the thing that um, was, was, was yeah. interesting to me was the fee that they received there is from us is the equivalent of five years of salary for a Ukrainian woman. So this is a big, this is a big payment for that. Wow. So there's like a. And can I ask, uh, what was that well, number that, to you? Uh, she got, I believe, not this one, which is a different part of the story. The surrogate that ultimately had our children. Uh, this isn't the one. No. Oh, this is not uh, who was your surrogate. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, a twist to come. About, okay. Because hmm. it was about 15000 in the contract. But if there was a C-section, which there was, another 2000 So. You know, that was just. But 17,000 was about. Yeah, it it basically breaks down to when we were there, their hypnia was it was 26 to one. It was 26 hypnia to a dollar. And that's kind of how it worked. Like, so, you know, multiply 17 times. I can't do it, but it's a lot. (laughs) So like should they basically remodeled their whole house with what we paid them, apparently, and and paid off in cash. Wow. So. But this no, did not end up being your surrogate. What happened? So uh, we put them in. We put three in and it didn't work. Oh. And then. Oh, they put three. And that's an interesting. So did you have a lot of embryos to start? We had uh, three. I mean, here there's like. We had six, which was amazing because that was way more than we had gotten in the, any. Uh, I don't know what happened or. I mean, that's kind of why it sort of seemed like something was out there make, making this meant to be. We're not religious people, but we just thought, OK, this is this is. Who knows? But um, so we put half of them in and the other three we put in the freezer and we wait. You know how that goes. You wait, you wait, you wait. 
different kind of weight when they're 8,000 miles away. But then we found out there was a problem and it didn't work. And this was what, two, it was always, always between month two and month three towards the first trimester. That's when we lost, I don't know, even eight, nine, 10 pregnancies. So whether there was. Oh, wow. And that happened, that happened again yes. here. So she was pregnant. Yes. And, and lost. Oh. And was she pregnant with a single was twin or was it triple? And it, it just, it didn't, for whatever reason, I still don't know why, but it, it didn't happen. And, you know, it's strange and not maybe a horrible thing to say, but after so many of these, does it really matter why anymore? Because there's really no answer. But um, we, this, this person, uh, there was some damage too. So it would have been like six more months before she could even try again. And I, I, my, again, I'm even more like done at this point. Like, okay, we do, I mean, we cannot possibly say we didn't do everything. So we decided let's destroy those three embryos and just move on. That's it. It was quite an adventure, but you know, we're good. We have a wonderful girl and that's fine. So I, she was, and your wife no, was actually like, at no this way. point, we she was more. on board. That was her suggestion. It's like, that's it. We're uh-huh. done. So now we're both oh, done. So I emailed the agency and said, let's get rid of these embryos because we don't want them out there. And <clears throat> excuse me. He said, okay, no problem. We'll take care of it. Well, a few months go by and our home office at the time before we had to rebuild, uh, we both sat in the same home office. She just turned to me one morning randomly and said, did you ever get confirmation that those embryos were destroyed? No, I just, I never did. I never thought about it again. Well, let's make sure. Okay. So I emailed the agency and and a couple days go by and he gets back to me and says, guess what? Um, The director, Oleg, left not long after you guys were there, long story short, things slipped through the cracks. We still have your three embryos. So we looked at each other and this is like December, early December and said, well, <laughs> and the cost difference between trying again at that point, after we pretty much paid for everything uh, other than the actual transfer and destroying them, wasn't that big of a deal. It was like a thousand dollars more. Well, well, why not? I mean, these are our last three. Let's throw them all in. You know, that's fine. So we picked a new surrogate because the old one, the the first one, I should say the old one, uh, didn't want to do it again. And we didn't really want her to go through that again because we weren't sure, you know, what was wrong or what happened. We we, we never actually met the the second one in person until the day before they were born. But um, we did. And then we put them in, or they did. Three months go by. Guess what? <laughs> You're pregnant, and this time we were past the first trimester. So what? Wow. Oh. I was gonna say. So did they not tell yeah. you? Did you at least know before three months? Yeah. No, we did. We got basic. Things look good. Things look good. Things look good. I'm like, you know what? I've literally it. seen this a dozen times. So I, I dismissed it. Like, I mean, I just. Re- yeah. All right. No, I get the not trusting. I was just making no, sure that no, they told No, no, no. They you. told us what was happening, but I mean, I didn't look at any ultrasounds. I, I just, nothing. I mean, I, I just, okay, great. I just thought we were basically checking a box there. But, you know, then we get into March and April and it's still happening. So I'm like, holy cow. And the, uh, when our daughter was born, I didn't agree with this when we were pregnant with her, but my wife did not want to know the gender. I'm looking back. I, she was right. I'm glad we did it that way. Um, we were still trying to decide on that with with this one because you know we didn't 
expect much, but then we found out it's twins. Okay. And then in the same email, it says two males. <laughs> so we knew right away. My wife and I look at each other like, Oh, oh no choice boy, on that one. Boys, huh? Huh? Okay. <laughs> you know, we, I wanted a boy, of course, because we already had a girl. And you know, we, I guess we always just kind of assumed it would be a boy and a girl, but no, it's two boys. So it happens. And, you know, that means it's, it's time to make plans here. So the longest four months of my life pass because, you know, at that, that point we're getting like every two weeks, she's going to see the, the, the OBGYN in Kiev. And she doesn't live in Kiev. She lives somewhere like two hours outside of Kiev, um, uh, west of Kiev, thankfully, not towards Donbass, which is where the first surrogate lived, which made me nervous in itself because it's a combat zone. Um, and, uh, you know, we, that's when we started getting regular photos and the ultrasounds and updates and size updates of the, of the um, now their fetuses, et cetera, et cetera. So in a bizarre way, it was kind of like your average pregnancy at that point, except it's not your wife and it's some woman in Ukraine who you've never met. <laughs> so, um, and are you telling people at this point now, now are you saying like, Hey, we're pregnant with a surrogate in yes. Ukraine? It's twins. Uh, we are. And uh, we, we, we waited until about halfway through just because again, we had been burned before and we were frankly pretty jaded, but like my parents knew and her parents knew, and I go into this in the book quite a bit, but <laughs> that those are some interesting conversations to have with people in their seventies. <laughs> so, um, Ukraine. Yes. What? Wait, what? So, uh, we got through it. I mean, they were all very supportive. They just, you know, this is not something they've ever heard of. And um, we start telling our friends. Everybody's pretty supportive about it. And you know, some people are like, "Yeah, you guys are forty-four. Are you sure? Twin boys? Well, too late now. Yes, we're sure. Obviously, I, that's what I was about to say. It's too late now. <laughs> yeah, there's no return policy on this one. And yeah, we're thrilled. So, um. You know, our daughter was super easy. So we thought, well, this will just be, you know, two super easy babies. Well, we've regressed to the mean a bit with these two. <laughs> but, um, in a good way. They're great kids. They're just, there's they're boys and there's two of them. But um, as we say often, even yesterday, I said that to my wife. But we, uh, you know, we were kind of prepared to go over there early. The due date was like end of August and, or, or, or like Labor Day for us. They don't have that there, obviously. So we made all these plans to get my, my mom to come out here from Wisconsin to, to stay with our daughter because we weren't going to bring her with us. She was starting kindergarten, which she actually did before we got home, which is pretty heartbreaking that we missed that. But, um, man, I cried like a weeping willow that day when we FaceTimed. And, um, I couldn't first day. believe Aww. I missed that. And she was so sad. But um, she was kind of used to mom being out of town because she was every week, but daddy had never been away from her. And... I guess I'm skipping ahead, but uh, we but we made all these arrangements with. But you did say you promised to bring her back, you know, some siblings, right? Something nice, but that's not an easy thing. That's a pretty abstract thing for a five year old to grasp. So <laughs> it's um, it's you know she didn't really understand it at all. She's like, "Mommy and Daddy are going to get some babies from somewhere." But um, we had my sister in law come. We had all these arrangements made, but then of course, you know, we get the word on a Friday. Uh, I think it was Friday, August 2nd. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. No, Friday, August 4th. My bad. I remember that because a week later they were born. We get the email. Hey, they're coming. It's time. They're coming early. They're coming even earlier than we thought. Get over here. Oh, And 
How far is the pregnancy at this point? How how early was it? It was like thirty two and a half weeks. It was a little early, so okay. not not terrible. But you know, my wife really wanted at least thirty four, and um, that was kind of an issue <laughs> the following week. But anyway, I, I next morning I'm on a plane. I, I mean, and she's going to stay behind for a few days and get our daughter taken care of because nobody had was planned to, was scheduled to be in San Diego to take care of her for another week at least she was going to stay behind for a while anyway. So she had to fly up to, to Seattle and, with my daughter and meet my sister-in-law from Vancouver, drop her off, get her across the border into Canada. And then she jumped a plane from Vancouver to Ukraine by a eight different stops because this is all slapped together at the last minute. So, you know, I get there and, <laughs> um, we, uh, I, I, my man Pavel is there, our handler, and of course, chain smoking Bogdan is there to drive us around, and what's well, a happy reunion all around. And then they we we decided instead of staying at the agency's housing, which we found kind of expensive, I'm sure there was a margin involved there, but we just went to Airbnb. And <laughs> this is really kind of to the point of why we were there in the first place. We stayed in what for Kiev is a very very fancy apartment, like right on the, the main drag of the city, a city as big as Denver, San Diego. And a block from the presidential palace and the square where all that, you know, awful rioting had occurred. So right in the heart of it all, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful uh, for there. And it's $40 a night. <laughs> so, which it would be wow, 400 Nice, easy. good price. But, but that one wasn't ready yet because we got there, you know, a week early or 10 days early, whatever it was. So we had to scramble and turns out Andre, our Airbnb host, also translator. <laughs> um, what's one of the reasons we went with him? Cause he could speak some English. Uh, he shows up and I'm not kidding. You know, it, it was so stereotypical in that, you know, the, I think I mentioned this to Ellen, that the, the Steve Martin Saturday night live wild and crazy guys kit uh, skit. And he's got, the tight shirt, the chest hair, the jeans, the big giant belt, the cell phone on, and even the white loafers. <laughs> and <laughs> he walks into the apartment because I'm, I, for some reason, he didn't understand what time we were landing. And I'm banging on the door, and the babushka, which is just kind of a common term for lady there. And I don't know if you remember that, Ellen, or if that was something you heard when you were in Ukraine, but. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's not, it sounds like a disrespectful term, but it really isn't. Um, in fact, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's in my book. Uh, Andre said, Babushka is someone who has much respect. They can manage properties. They can help with families, but they can never drive taxi. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sure they're not that upset about that because that's a lousy job, but okay. Um, anyway, she's cleaning the apartment, getting it ready, and she speaks no English. She's terrified. She doesn't know who I am. I don't know how she doesn't know who I am, but I'm, uh, we can't communicate. She calls Andre. Andre, 10 minutes later, comes in, you know, again, just kind of, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here for 10 hours. I'm like, no, that's not what I said. It's like, okay, uh, you leave stuff here, Babushka, finish up, you come back in an hour. I'm like, okay, so we, I go in there, and I'm settled, and I get right down to business of getting things squared away with the embassy, because that that's a big I mean, I know you've talked to other international circus people, but that's a pretty involved process. That's not something where you just show up and get a stamp and go home. So 
we had to do all the uh, paperwork for the CRBA. Am I remembering that acronym right? Cons consular Report of Birth. Yeah, CRBA. Consular Report of Birth Abroad. Um, which is basically your application for a passport to get them home. And, but to do that, you have to get the birth certificate and everything else. So I, I start doing that. I start making calls. Uh, I actually went out there to talk to them, which that turned out not to be great because you, they don't let you in without an appointment. <laughs> so I didn't know that until I got there. And, uh, you know, the, I start getting all that started. Meantime, you know, the way it kind of broke down is my wife handled all the medical stuff. She got there a few days later. I handled all the legal government stuff from our, basically our backgrounds. So I'm working on all that. Mm -hmm. And there we go. So what was it? Maybe, you know, I got there. I left Saturday morning. I got there Sunday night because it's 10 hours ahead and 24 hours of travel. So my wife got there on, I think, Wednesday, sometime Wednesday. But her bags didn't, so we had to go to the and no, no babies yet. They're just telling you babies are. Imminent. Well, that, that was the thing is, is, is apparently through our service, our, our, our liaison with the medical people, Julia was her name. This is an important distinction we learned too. There's a much, very big difference between interpreter and translator. So <laughs> she's more of an interpreter than a translator in that, you know, she, we could tell she was just putting things in her own words, especially when she would answer something without even asking the doctor. We're not asking you, but <sighs> my favorite oh, is wow. when someone talks for a really long time and then there's like a two word yeah. translation. Yeah, come on like, now. Really? I mean, something's up here, but uh, she was saying that the doctor, uh, the, the OBGYN wanted to take them out Friday, that, that there were problems. Like one of our sons was perfectly positioned, ready to go nice and still. <laughs> funny how it kind of played out this way since they've been born too the other one was bouncing around all over the place the somersaults and uh, <clears throat> you know the cord was starting is that does that reflect their current personality absolutely 100 consistent, consistent. <laughs> um, but the cords were starting to get tangled and that was getting dangerous and you know he said we have to get them out uh, that, that, that's going to happen uh, something bad's going to happen and this was now 33 and a half weeks and my wife wanted it to be 34 weeks because that's a, that's a threshold for brain development, et cetera, et cetera. Now, side story, my wife is a, is a, a principal at Deloitte Consulting. So, you know, it's a pretty big job and almost everything she does is healthcare consulting, which means her job basically consists of sitting in hospitals and in healthcare organizations and asking doctors really hard questions. <laughs> and, that's really not how things are done in you. Very well suited yes, for this. That's good. That's not how they expect things to be done in Ukraine. And that Julia said, no, we can't question doctors. Doctors are like gods here. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a tight. This one's going to be interesting <laughs> because my wife is not. Really yeah. I, I have had experience with the. German healthcare system, and I found it was very culturally. Yeah, it's not an interactive well. <laughs> process. They're telling you what's happening, and you don't question. Uh, and that's no. not at all, as we know, how it works here. And that is not at all what my wife does for 12 hours a day. So, and my, and my, my wife, Tiffany, I keep, she just said to Julia, Well, that's too bad because I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so, we sit down and meet with the doctor, and uh, the surrogate comes in. 
We had never met her. She kind of looks at us and it's very awkward. Hi, and those are our babies. Nice to see you. And she speaks no English either. None. And she started talking to the doctor and started talking to Julia in Ukrainian and I'm like, everything okay? She said, yeah, everything's fine. She's just ready to be done. And uh, the doctor says, we have to take them out because of the cords. And he goes back and forth with Tiffany. He said, well, I want them in there for another half week. And yada, yada. the doctor looked at me after every question. I just shrugged my shoulders like, answer the questions. <laughs> and she's, don't look at me, man. This is the way it works here. So we're paying for this. You answer her questions. That's where I kind of figured Julia softened things a little bit in her interpretations of what I was saying, but I'm sure my tone was clear, like, no, you deal with her. I don't care if you're upset about it. Um, but he did say that uh, they have to come out. I mean, if we wait three or four more days, one could strangle one because he's bouncing all over the place and he showed us all these pictures like, okay. Um, but then the problem arose where he's told the surrogate right in front of us, you need a C-section. She was not pleased about that. So, um, I wasn't thrilled either because like I said, that's an extra $2,000 and, uh, that had to be paid in cash before the procedure, which was the next day, which became my first experience with the Ukrainian ATM. But, um, <laughs> it was, um, we learned to do everything in Ukrainian or Russian over there. Uh, I mean, literally that, that, that's, that's also a theme of the book is, I mean, you're like, you're like a child being dropped off in the wilderness. I mean, you can't read, you can't talk to anybody. You don't know where anything is. You can't do basic things like shop for groceries or get money or do laundry or any of that. And I, after this meeting, I, Tiffany was starting to kind of get settled into the hospital where she was going to stay. Not, she didn't stay there that night, but she was just getting things organized. And that's also when we found out that we had to supply our own linens at the hospital. This is a state hospital now. Um, so we had to get that organized. So you had to go figure out where to Well, we took them from the, the apartment, yeah. actually, but we wanted to wash that. them because uh, there were lots of things <laughs> there for some reason. There were tons of them. Okay, well, this will work. Well, we wanted to wash them, but well, that was an experience, too, because I guess it turns out, I thought this is my first inkling that I knew something between Russian and Ukrainian because the, 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 whatever the words on the washer, no dryer, just a washer washer in Iraq. Right. Because you hang everything. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything there. Yeah. There's no dryer in the whole country, I don't think. But um, it looked different. And it turns out it was a Russian washing machine. So never having done laundry in Russian, I completely screwed that up. Mm. And like put in like 10 times the amount of soap you're supposed to put in because I guess that's all different there. And it just yeah. it couldn't open it up. And did it take six <laughs> hours for it to wash then? Yeah. It took about, yeah, three and a half days. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's not, no, they're it's, crazy it's, it's, their washers are insane yeah <laughs> it took hours i could not believe how long it took to i mean but yeah maybe i hit the super duper cycle i don't know i have no idea to this day i kind of kind of ultimately figured it out because it had to be regular <laughs> Washes yeah. for one week. I will actually cycle. just, um, from my own personal standpoint, just express I'm stunned that they are, let your wife even arrange to stay at the hospital. Um, we personally oh. had an experience. Our daughter was two and had to go into mm -hmm. a German PICU. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we said, okay, where do we stay? Because in American hospitals, you have to stay with your, chi your child and you would right. never leave them anyway. And they said, oh, no, right. you don't stay. Oh, and wow. we actually like full out. And so, I mean, I totally appreciate your wife. My husband came down the hall one point and he said, I don't know what you did, but he said, you have scared all of them. And we were allowed to stay most of the time. We were allowed to stay about 20 oh, hours wow. a day, 
because of how we fought for it. But so I'm totally right. stunned that they let you say, cause they're very nasty about those restrictions. Yeah. They, I, I th- that was arranged for the agency, I think, because we had like the, <clears throat> for lack okay. of a better term, the n- nicest room in the ward, the NICU. Okay. Um, yep. But there was no lock in the door. So they would come in to my wife and I went back to the apartment every night. She stayed there because she was taking hormones to, to nurse too. So she was stimulating breast milk, which were, it went okay. But they come in and yell at her every few hours. And, um, you know, she, she said, I'm basically I'm like a hostage here. I'm getting Stockholm syndrome, um, trying to please them. But, uh, you know, I, there were a few times there where I actually was the one who went postal on him and went crazy on him and just started barking at him like, you know, there was nobody's business, which is not normally how I do things. But, and I really couldn't understand what I was saying, but I wanted them to know I'm, I, I, we're, at, we're done here. You're going to treat her better, and I'm going to deal with it. And it was weird because, you know, and then if you pull that in an American hospital, they're just going to ignore you, or, or worse, you can't come back in. Um, treatment immediately got better when I did that. Yeah. I guess that's just how they do things there. Because oh, I, I don't know if it was because wow. they're waiting for a man to say something, or I don't know what it was. I really don't. Because it's very, very patriarchal. Uh, yes. um, yeah. Very much so. I mean, I don't want to say misogynist because I don't know enough about daily life there, but <laughs> definitely, you know, it, it, it's almost like traveling back in time to like when the dad was the one who called all the shots. Well, that's not how we work. And that's not how most families I know around here work, but that's how they worked. But anyway, the, the, the issue with the room was the bathroom. Like you had your own bathroom, which is a big deal because everybody else had a common bathroom, which I'm glad we didn't for lots of reasons, but the bathroom was right above the entrance to the hospital, the rear entrance. And everybody, and I, I know we've been to Europe and we say more people smoke than they do here. Everybody smokes in Kiev. <laughs> everybody. And like everybody would sit under that entranceway and smoke. So the first time I went to the bathroom in that room, I opened the door and she kept the door closed. And I wondered why. It was like stepping into like a Las Vegas casino. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? What are you smoking in here? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you want to tell me something? Is that, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that it's stressful and that's fine. I guess you're not pregnant, but where are you getting the C's? <laughs> but um, no, it's, it was going through the air vents and, and nurses were smoking. Even some of the, this hospital was like for like troubled pregnancies and stuff. Some of the mothers were smoking. Which, you got to be kidding me. But um, it was very strange. It, it was really a strange place. And not nearly as modern as like the clinic for fertility. This was more what you'd expect from a state hospital in Eastern Europe. So um, we got settled there. We figured out the laundry. <laughs> she figured out the feeding. We figured everything out over time. But it was, there was a lot of struggle, especially the day after they were born. I guess I'm kind of skipping ahead because the birth was relatively uneventful. Um, yeah, well, it was Good. a C-section. It's something, right? You want something uneventful. Right. That's what was weird about, The only weird about that is like the, the, the birth was, you know, there was a window to the delivery room. And they asked if we wanted to watch. We're both like, nope, we're good. I don't need to see this. And then when they brought us in to meet the boys, uh, you know, the, the, the surrogate was just laying there unconscious on the table. Um, arms splayed out, just kind of, you know, blood and everything oh. else. Like, Man, this doesn't feel... This doesn't feel right. I mean, wow. <laughs> just, um, but you had to walk through the yeah. delivery room to get to the nursing room, whatever they called it. 
to meet the boys. So, I mean, not that I'll ever forget that moment because I won't, but um, it was, of all the things we did, this was the least, least crazy. But the, what, what was really terribly difficult was the, the day after they're born, this is the first time they allow us to have them in, in Tiffany's room. Well, we kept them out of the bathroom, I guess. And, um, you know, we're just holding him, feeding him. And one of my sons, Mickey, starts aspirating. And the nurses come like a pack of badgers and just snatch him and run away. And, you know, just intubate him immediately. We can't figure out what's going on. Nobody can talk to us. So we don't know what's happening at all. I mean, it was, I mean, I almost break down now talking about it. It was just so terrifying. And, you know, we couldn't get our service people to the hospital because they were busy with something else or whatever, whatever. So long story short, once we found somebody else who could help us through the, a friend of my father-in-law who had business interest in Kiev, and I knew we had leverage. I mean, I, I had to call the agency and light them up like a Roman candle to, you know, you get, you, you know what, down here, I'm going to suit everybody and their children. <laughs> so they did. And ultimately it took a day and a half for us to figure out he was going to survive because we didn't know that. And Despite all the controversy of, you know, being born a half week early, turns out Mickey was born with pneumonia. So, and nobody knew that. And had he stayed another few days, he might not have made it. So I, I, all this dating back to, you know, wow, we still have three embryos, so let's throw them in to, you know, it, it, the, how this all worked is crazy. And I, one thing I don't think I mentioned to you, Ellen, is they're identical, which I, I, I'm guessing... Oh. <laughs> That doesn't happen. They were a splitter. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. No, I had assumed that of the three embryos, so there was fraternal twins. And you didn't know no, that until they were born, um, or right before they were born, I guess. But oh, wow. yeah, only one worked, but it split. And I guess the odds of that happening in a surrogacy wow. setting are in the billions. So the fact that they're here is really remarkable. <laughs> it's just all those things falling into place after all the times where we kept hearing, you know, before we ever got into any of this with IVF, oh, you have an 80% chance, have a viable, blah, blah, blah. I tell people this all the time, too, and I write about this, too. The odds are worthless. I mean, don't even listen to them. It doesn't matter. It's either 100% <laughs> or 0% every time. So, I mean, every time, the quote, odds were in our favor, we didn't get what we wanted. And the ones, probably the time that they were least in our favor, we get two boys. So, um, that, that, I, I, I just feel like I know my doctors have to feel compelled to tell these things to people and I get they're just doing it for the interest of the patient, but it doesn't help. I mean, in my opinion. So yeah, they're born. They're, they're there. Uh, you know, my wife is uh, learning to hold her breath while she goes to the bathroom. And um, after a week, Mickey, <laughs> okay. Mickey is free from intubation because he's coming around, which is huge. But this was a huge monkey wrench in the whole get them out of the country process. So, because we couldn't get them to the embassy for their DNA test. So I don't know how much you want me to go into this, but uh, you know, that in order to get the passport, I mean, you fill out the CRBA um, to, to apply for the passport, but with that CRBA, you have to have a DNA test done to prove that they're your children. Uh, otherwise, you know, no dice. And do you have to present the children in person 
there for the DNA test or can you have the blood yes. drawn at the hospital? That's yes. the problem. Okay. That yes. is the problem. There are no exceptions. I begged them for days. I mean, he's intubated. We can't do anything about this. I mean, they're like, sorry, they have to be at the embassy. Uh, but before we can even do that, actually, we had to get the birth certificate, which was in itself. This is where we get to the suffix thing. Um, a process. Oh, please, so. please tell the suffix stories. This, this is, I, I know there's so much this story and we, we, you know, we can't go into all of it. And of course there's your book that we'll tell everyone about so sure. you can read more in your book. But I do think the suffix story so about your, your name and the baby's last name is fascinating. So yeah, please was, tell. So you're, you're a third, right? Jane mm-hmm. the third. Jane the what third, my dad. Your baby. And how did that work? Yeah, my, my dad is James Nolte Jr. I'm the third. One of the boys was James Nolte IV. And, you know, part of the process of, like every birth certificate application, you put your name on as the father and the mother. And we do that. But, again, we can't read any of this. So we don't know what it says when the, when the birth certificate does come. And we, I bring the birth certificate proudly with my CRBA to the embassy to get this going. Uh, and the, the, the embassy guy... I got kind of used to talking to said, okay, well, I, I guess we'll, we'll hold this on file until we get the DNA test done. Cause I was also there to beg them to come do the DNA test. The hospital, they said, no, we'll keep this for you. So little James, the third, little Michael, the third, you know, when they're ready, we'll bring them in. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm James, the <III." laughs> third. He said, Oh, I guess nobody explained this to you. And by that time, that was just probably the 10th time I had heard that since we've been there. I'm like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, they don't do suffixes in that part of the world, apparently. So instead of Nult, comma, the third, they just took my name as Nult third. So <laughs> uh, that meant that one of my sons was named also exactly like me, James Grant Nult the third, and the other was Michael Philip Nult the third, which is absurd because there's never been a Michael Nult. So, so well, what are we going to do here? He's like, well, this, these are the names that have to go on the birth certificates. Unless you would, you know, there's a process you can go through the Ukrainian legal system. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope I don't care. Right. Oh, I literally no. said, I mean, no, he, he brought that up in our, during our last conversation. I'm like, you can put Elvis Sizzle, sizzle Chest on there. I don't care what name you put on there. I do not care. Whatever it takes, just get these legal. children home. <laughs> I, I will handle it in the American legal system. So... They did. They put their not the third on their passports. And when we got home, ultimately, I just went through the San Diego County courthouse and legally changed their names to what we wanted. But there are no suffixes there. So um, anybody who might be. Of all the little things that you yeah. didn't know about, right? So anybody who's listening who has a suffix, I mean, I know I'm narrowing down this niche even further, but who's going to Good Ukraine, luck. keep that in mind. So. Right. Uh, the, the suffix thing was weird. The DNA test was was weird because ultimately we talked that not the OBGYN, but the head of the the, hot, the NICU who was a lovely woman. I wrote about her on my blog. She's our angel, as we call her, rode in the hospital with us. And it was like the Starsky and Hutch ambulance. And um, we're very tight on time now because we lost over a week because Mickey was intubated. So it's our, 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 our appointment at the embassy is at like 445 and they close at five. And I was nervous about that to begin with because things are kind of perpetually behind. Um, I mean, we found in Kiev, but sure enough, the, 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 the 70s model ambulance pulls up at 4.30 and, okay, this is going to be tight. Because I've been to the embassy many times. It's, it's on the outskirts of town. It's a good 20-minute drive, no traffic. And it's 5 o'clock, so there's a lot of traffic. So we get in the ambulance and it's like the seatbelts don't even 
adjust. Like they're just the old school seat belts where you kind of have to manually tighten. <laughs> oh man. So, and there's two bucket yeah. seats in the van right next to each other. Tiffany and I each take one. The doctor comes in and hands us the babies, one each. And she kind of makes this motion. It reminds me of the old football coach. Go hold them high and tight. You're just high and tight. Okay. Oh, wow. and you're just holding the babies. Do you drive a car? Yeah, there's no, there's no baby seats there. Um, you, you I are in the car seat. seat, and so is she. And she, she like shows you the proper form. It's like holding the football, like right up under your shoulder blade, you know, one arm underneath. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. But of course, we hit traffic, and <laughs> um, the, the, the guy turns on the sirens and like starts going, like, I mean, I'm not kidding, 80, 90, maybe 100 miles an hour. I don't know, but he's going over median. He's going oh, geez, with you holding ways. your babies, like, oh, us my bouncing up and down, holding our babies, bouncing up and down. And then the doctor, like, grabs our feet, she's like, put your feet forward, you won't bounce as much. <laughs> and that was the one time where I looked at Tiffany and, you know, to quote a show from your part of the world, South Park. Uh, I said, dude, this is pretty fucked up right here, isn't it? <laughs> she said, yeah, this is pretty fucked up. So we scream through town, get to the embassy. It's probably 10 to 5 or whatever it is. And, and the sirens are still going. And he's still going, like, fast leading up to the embassy. So he screeches to a halt. Siren's still on and right in front of the embassy. Well, the guards are like, what's going on here? I mean, they got their hands on their guns. They're moving towards the ambulance. And I'm like, I jump out. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Baby here. We're just here for a DNA test. No problem, everybody. I hope one of you speaks English. This is, this is totally normal, right? This is totally normal. Yeah. Yes. And I look over and finally, I mean, I'm like screaming at the end. Turn the damn sirens off. I mean, I'm just screaming at him. And he just kind of calmly turns off the siren, steps out, lights a cigarette, leans up against the car. Okay. We're ready. So um, we do the DNA test. Uh, with the doctor just sitting there. I mean, they ha- she had to be there, I guess. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let him out of the hospital. So that was a process, getting her allowed into the embassy as a Ukrainian person. Um, a lot of paperwork there. And we do the DNA test, and it's a Wednesday. And like, the next day is Independence Day for Ukraine. So it's a holiday for the rest of the week. So that thing, that package has to go back to the laboratory in San Diego and the, that day, or it's going to be sitting there five days and then we we're scheduled to fly out the following Friday. So if it doesn't go out that night, we're not leaving on time again. And you know, people are gonna have to start going home, so it's gonna be a real problem. So we we're we were assured that everything would be fine. It would go out that day, next day air, which really isn't next day air because you can't get something there that fast. It's more like second day air. But um you know they have to have the hard copy of the test results before they'll give you the passport and, and approve the CRBA. And sure enough some goofball forgets to put it in the shipping, uh, puts it somewhere in the wrong place. So it sits there for five days. I'm losing my mind at this point. Like you've got to be kidding me. So, uh, I mean, nothing's open Thursday, nothing's open Friday and Monday morning. Um, well, first of all, that Friday we got released from the hospital. So we got back to go to the hotel. Or, I'm sorry. The, the, the apartment with the boys. Wonderful, but also woo, reality time <laughs> because <laughs> they were both. Uh, oh no! It's all of us yes. all the time. They're twin. twin newborns, and they are super colicky. And you know, like we can't really find formula that works that well for them because there's not enough breast milk. And I'm in pharmacies trying to figure out Ukrainian formula stuff. Like I have any clue. Um, 
all that's going on. But on Monday morning, I'm at the embassy as it opens. Like, I know I don't have an appointment, but I, the previous time I got, like, a you can come in anytime slip from the guy. So <laughs> I went in and I'm like, okay, here's the deal. I mean, you people screwed this up. We have to be home by Friday um, because we're having that child care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You fix it. So they go huddle up and huddle up and huddle up and they come back and say, okay, we'll make an exception here. They should have the test in San Diego tomorrow or whatever it is. Because the, thankfully, they're, we're 10 hours behind. So they, they had like an extra day to work with. We'll allow them to scan the original results in an email directly to us. And we'll accept that rather than the hard copy. Because we wouldn't have gotten a hard copy until, you know, probably the next week. Um, which is too late. So that happened. And the night before, this is Thursday. We're, supposed to, we're scheduled to fly out at 6 a.m. Friday morning. This is, again, 4.45 Thursday at the embassy. It all happens. They give us the passports. Oh, look, it's like James Grant, all the third, Michael Phillip, all the third. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So we get them. I thank everybody. Okay, I don't care. Um, you know, and I, I still have video of it. They get the Uber ride back to the apartment. And I'm just, I mean, I just lost it. <laughs> it was just like, wow, we actually did this. We're actually going oh. home. And um, yeah. you know, I've left out a lot of stuff, which is fine because I mean, that's that's what motivated yeah. me to write the well, book. Like, this is so crazy, right? So, when do you expect the book to come out for those who want to read more about your your adventures? Well, uh, sometime this year. I mean, things kind of got goofy with you know our current situation with the pandemic, <laughs> um, because yeah. you know it, it just made everything else that much more difficult to to do. But I mean, in the meantime, I do have a website up. It's hotel or it's uh, flip-flops in Kiev. I know it's spelled the wrong way, K-I-E-V.com, but that's the name of the book, too, Flip-Flops in Kiev. Sure. But sometime this year, for sure, it's going to be out because it's done. It's just we're going through the editing and just figuring out how I'm going to actually publish it. But it'll be soon. Um, and there's a lot more stuff there. I can't wait to read it. I'm excited. Yeah, we are looking forward to the book and we really appreciate you coming and sharing part of the story um, with us on this, in this format and podcast for people to listen to, but it's an incredible story and I'm so happy there's a happy ending and that now you have um, three kids <laughs> to occupy. We do. We do. And they, uh, yeah, they're, it's, they're awesome. I mean, yes, they definitely test us, but that's because. Yes, that is. <laughs> That's what all kids do. Yeah, yeah, all kids, true. Good point. That's fair. But, um, you know, like I said, every day we still look at each other like, we know there's two of them. Yeah. (laughs) Because one will be doing one thing and the other will be doing something insane on the other end of the house. So, um, but it's, you know, we, what we, neither of us has ever forgotten what it took for them to. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Jay, for sharing your story. And we very much look forward to your book coming out. And we'll be sure to share that when um, when we know it is coming out. So, yeah, so everyone absolutely. stay tuned for his book. Absolutely. And sharing, you know, speaking of sharing, you could <laughs> share our podcast with other people. Yes. That was a really that was a really bad transition. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always trying, right? <laughs> share some stars with us when you click share the some star. Stars with us. Share, the share a review, with us. you know, an honest share review. We appreciate that. Yeah, no, definitely. We would um, definitely love it if you would share your and thoughts. Feel free I, to write with suggestions of topics you'd like to hear or experts you want us to to beg to come on. Yes, please. We love that. Um, you can also give us a call at 
997-1903 and leave us a message there. So huge, huge thank you as always to our team who is incredible and wonderful and we adore with all of our beings uh, to Amanda, to Tyler, to Lexi, and of course to Chris at Work at Bird Studios who all make us look and sound great and are incredible supports for us. So thank you to them and thank you to all of you for listening. Mm-hmm.